Hey y'all, Alec Thomas got promoted, so I hopped on Locked on Diamondbacks to talk about it. You are Locked on MLB Prospects, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we got Lindsey Crosby of Locked On MLB Prospects on the pod because, of course, we had to talk to Lindsey. The D-backs called up their number one prospect, Alec Thomas, from their organization. And Lindsey, we saw him in his debut uh, yesterday because we're recording this Monday night. So for us, it was yesterday. It was Sunday. He made his debut. He's starting. I think he's batting second today. Oh, my God. My mom's calling me. almost messed up my stream. Mom, I cannot <laughs> talk right now. I am doing a podcast. She knows this. You I'm got like, Sunday, Mom. You got Sunday. Yeah. Yesterday was your day, mom. Okay, get off my back, mom. But yeah, we saw Alec <laughs> Thomas make his debut yesterday, and he already was getting stuff started uh, offensively for the D-backs. He had a double. He scored a run. You could really see it with his legs and athleticism. Um, what kind of strengths he's going to be bringing to this D-backs team? And from the tape you've watched from Alec Thomas, what should D-backs fans expect now that this guy's on the major league level? And how much has his game really grown since first entering the farm system to where he is now? Do you think he's ready to be an everyday major leaguer for the D-backs in 2022? I mean, he hit a double in game one. No, it, yeah. it's okay. So like his career line in the minor leagues, 312, 388, 495. I mean, it kind of screams like pure hitter. He's a mm-hmm. guy that, that can absolutely make contact. And when you watch his swing, when this is something that not everybody does, and I love that he's able to do this, is he's very quick to the zone. His, his, his arms kind of stay into his body. And so because of that, he rarely just can't catch up to Velo. And that's one of the things as guys climb in the systems and they go from the lower minors to the upper minors. We see so many guys that they can't catch up to velocity in the zone. And bec- because he's so quick on that swing, he can do it. Uh, he's also like good at picking it up out of the hand. He's walked like 10% in his career, like 10% walk rate. So the thing that I've been, that I was worried about before he got called up, and he's done a bit to correct it, is his swing had a lot of like moving parts to it. So he was like, he was succeeding despite the motion. Uh, he's cleaned it up a bit. And so it's, it's, it's a little more simple. It's a little more repeatable. And I think ultimately it's going to make him a better hitter. And I mean, this is a guy you saw last year after he did this 29 doubles, 18 home runs, 59 RBIs and OPS of almost a thousand, just uh, one of the best hitters in this system. And it doesn't help that he's also one of the best defenders in the system too. Yeah. So if he's already, you know, you said that slash line already seems like a pure contact hitter. If he does make those mechanical adjustments that you're talking about, do you think it would lead to more over the fence power? Like how would that help his game more? Because he seems to be a guy that hits a lot of doubles. Maybe he's got 15 to 20 home run kind of power, but he doesn't seem like a guy that can hit 30 plus home runs or be a guy that's hitting cleanup for you, bringing home all the runs to a big grand slam or anything like that. Yeah, so last year, I mean, he had eight home runs across 34 games in AAA last year. Um, and, and so a full season, I kind of look at him as like a 15 to 20 home run guy, but you don't really have him for the home runs. The thing I'm a, I, I am surprised about is you see his speed when he puts mm-hmm. a ball in the gap. He's taken two, sometimes taken three. He hit, I want to say he hit uh, 12 triples last year. That he doesn't steal a ton of bases, which I always found really interesting. I want to say last year he was uh, he was like thirteen to twenty two on steals between Double A AA and Triple A, 
And it's something where plenty of speed, you can see, you can watch him cover tons of ground in center field, uh, but doesn't run as much as I expected. I, I But, I, you know, when it comes to home runs, like you said, I think it's 15 to 20 home run power. And honestly, you put him at the top of the lineup, he's going to get on, he's going to move from first to third on a base hit, you're going to bring him in. You don't necessarily need him to hit a ton of home runs if he has that kind of um, extra base speed on the base paths. Yeah, so that's interesting because I wonder if that's more of a philosophy thing than with the organization. Maybe why he's not running as much because it feels like historically the D-backs the last few years have been one of the more least aggressive teams when it comes to running on the base paths and trying to steal bases. This year, they feel like they've been really aggressive. So maybe once Alec Thomas, you know, now he's in the lineup every day, maybe they'll send him a little bit more on the base paths to try to steal bases, do a little bit more second to third opportunities when it's like a double in the gap or first to second when it's a really long single. So I think they're really going to try to use his legs um, more and really try to use athleticism because I think this D-backs team right now is a lot more athletic than the ones we've seen in the past with now Alec Thomas there, Keta Martezno, Slouch, Dalton Varsho. I think there's a lot of athleticism around this diamond that I really like. But for Alec Thomas, like, what do you think his strength is that will keep him around as a major leaguer? Is it that pure contact as a hitter? Like, what's the thing, like, when you think of him maybe not living up to his potential, what's his floor that will keep him around Major League Baseball? What can he do consistently that could keep him around the game? So his floor is going to be the fact that he's a plus defender that can cover tons of ground in center field. Like no matter what, just about every big league roster has that guy on there that, you know, in the eighth inning, you're putting him in when you have a lead and you want to preserve it. So if nothing else, his floor is plus defender who can come in, pinch hit for you, probably get a hit, can pinch run for you, and can stay in the game. But I I I honestly see him, and I don't do a ton of comps on my show, not something I try to because it gives people the wrong ideas, but I see a lot of like the game of a Kevin Kiermeyer when okay. it comes to an Alec Thomas. Has some pop, not a ton of pop, but plays a really good defense, can get you a hit when you need a hit, um, maybe a little bit better contact ability, but a worse arm than a Kevin Kiermeyer. So ultimately a, a better package as far as balance offense to defense. So that's interesting. I would have to look at Kevin Kiermeyer's numbers to see how I feel about that comparison to feel if I feel like that's a good comparison, if that's a high ceiling, I don't know. So I'll have to yeah. go back and check the stats, but he's definitely, I know Kevin Kiermeyer is arguably the best defensive center fielder in the game. So if that's your floor, there's nothing really wrong. You could go with that as a, as a top prospect, but let's talk a little bit about his ceiling because how do you envision a guy like Alec Thomas in your lineup? If, is he someone that's, you know, batting second for you consistently uh, setting up your team, basically getting on base early and really scoring a lot of runs. Do you see him maybe more as a number three hitter, a sneaky number three that could have that gap power and drive and run to be one of your clutch hitters? How do you kind of see him figuring into a lineup? I think you touched on it with the first one. I really see him as one of those, put him at one or two. His job is to get on base. You know, it's, imagine something where it's like him and Varsho back to back. Yeah, you know? that's why I've been imagining. That's my yeah, dream right now. Yeah, like they both get on base. And then you've got guys behind them to drive them, bring them in. Um, I could also see him doing one of those roles that some managers like to do where you put a guy like him at nine. So you kind of have like a mm. second lead leadoff hitter. I could see something like that. But I really think one to two, you want him to get on base because you know that if he gets on, he can go first to third on a base hit. You know, if somebody puts, a, you know, puts out a double, he's scoring from first. You want him to be able to, to unleash the speed and run so count on him to score from first versus driving a guy in uh simply because he doesn't have overpowering raw power but 
Yeah, that's interesting. I know managers like to do that. I'm not a big fan of putting guys at number nine. Really, I kind of think it's interesting when guys put like put players like Alec Thomas maybe at like that number six hole because I kind of feel like that's where the lineup resets. I feel like your number four and five hitters are kind of like your big power, uh, big power bats, and then your lineup yeah. kind of resets after that. So maybe Alec Thomas is a future number six hitter could be kind of six interesting. seven eight. There you yeah, go. six seven eight. Maybe that's interesting. But if everything breaks right for him, I'm hoping he can reach, uh, you know, be more of a number two guy as the number one prospect in our organization than maybe a number seven eight nine hitter. So let's hope for the moon and the stars with Alec Thomas because the D backs definitely need an influx of young talent. They're pitching has been great this season but the offense has been an area that hasn't been great for this team so far so i'm hoping alec thomas can be a catalyst for this offense and if you want to bet on alec thomas winning nl rookie of the year you need to head to betonline.net because our partners at betonline.net continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info Find the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, major league baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, we got Lindsey Crosby of Locked On MLB Prospects here. And I want to do a fun little game with you, Lindsey. I want to do a little power ranking, do a little power ranking hour because the D-backs, we know, are a team that's right now, they're around 500. They're currently, we're recording this Monday uh, before the D-backs game even starts. So who knows? They could fall back to 500 or maybe they go two games above 500. Either way, they're hovering around 500. The offense hasn't been great this season. The starting pitching has been great. The bullpen has been a little shaky. So the D-backs, maybe Alec Thomas is not the only young guy we see get called up this season. We know Corbin Carroll's crushing in the minor leagues. So is Jordan Lawler. But there's also some other interesting guys in this minor league system. We got Lindsey Crosby here to do a little power ranking because we want to power rank the top five D-backs prospects that we could potentially see in 2022 to help this team Maybe make the wild card, at least go on a wild card run, at least make it competitive where I don't have to turn off D-backs baseball post-All-Star break. So, Lindsay, I want to start at number five and work with the suspense and work our way to number one. So, starting at number five, which D-backs prospect do you think could make, a, 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 you know, an immediate impact, a sizable impact, maybe a little impact for the D-backs this season? Uh, spoiler alert, there's a lot of pitchers on this list. <laughs> okay. No worries. Um, we need pitching. We need pitching. Yes. So... Guy that not everybody loves, but I, I think he's had a lot of good raw stuff. Um, right-hand pitcher, Luis Frias. So, okay, interesting name off the bat. Starting off interesting. We've seen, we're, we're accustomed to Luis Frias over here on the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Yes, I, um, I mean, it's, it's something. His story is really interesting to me. Uh, you know, the, the whole third baseman converting over to, to pitching, the fastball. When I think about the Diamondbacks, I think about, okay, you need relievers, right? You need a bullpen mm-hmm. guy. And he's someone where I know they want to keep him in the starter role, but to me, he profiles as a, as a guy where he can focus on the monster fastball. He can focus on the plus curveball. Doesn't have to worry so much about trying to limit himself to get four, five, six innings. Give him a chance to come out. Um, I know he, he walked like, what? five guys last year and in like three innings in September this year but too hasn't been great at that this year hasn't been great and so he's a guy where you know provided that he can continue to harness some of this stuff I think second half of the season you're going to see him in a relieving role he's to me he's someone you can he's that fireman of the bullpen you can take him you can throw him in when you get, lose, lose your starter in the second let him throw three four innings 
You can bring him in in a moderate leverage situation. Don't trust him with high leverage, maybe just yet. Let him get his feet wet on it. But the the raw tools are there. And and I just, having seen a little bit of film of him, I think he's going to put it together. I think this is the year. I don't know why I think that. I don't have a lot of a lot of science behind it, but I just feel like this is the year. Yeah, I hope it's a year. Maybe it's the second half of the year because we've seen him a little bit. He has had a couple spurts so far this season, 2022. And doesn't look great for Luis Frias. Now, the flashes are there for Luis Frias. When you talk about stuff, this guy has it. Like, I, my biggest thing that I want for the D-backs in terms of their bullpen is to get a heater out that bullpen, a guy that could touch triple digits. We see it across mm-hmm. baseball. That guy for the Twins, Yoan Duran, he used to be a D-backs prospect. Now he's touching 103 for the Twins, and he looked freaking phenomenal. I want a guy like Duran on my bullpen. And Luis Frias, he seems like he might have the stuff of that. I've seen him touch 99, 100 miles an hour out the bullpen mm-hmm. for the D-backs. The issue is he'll touch 100 miles an hour. It might hit the guy in the back of his head or something like that. It might hit him in his shoulder. You know, it might be three feet off the plate. He's got the stuff. He's got phenomenal stuff. That that breaking ball you talk about, when you throw 103 or, you know, he throws 100 on the corner and then he comes with that breaking ball, which sits at like 80 miles an hour, it's really nasty. But the problem is I just feel like he doesn't know, the viewer doesn't know where these pitchers are going. They're all over the strike zone. So should I have yeah. confidence that he can clean up that command and the location? Because I feel like he's got the stuff to be, you know, a fireball closer. I just don't know if he's got the command to do it. Yeah, and it's something where... When you look at him in AAA, um, what is it? He's thrown, I had that stat right here, 15 innings, six walks. So a little bit better in AAA this year. I know you've seen him, what, two games at the major league level? Yeah. Didn't quite look, I mean, I think he walked like four guys, only had two strikeouts. <laughs> His AAA samples looked a little better. And I think if you watch him, every time he gets called up, he struggles a little bit to adjust to the new level that he's in. And It's hard to let a guy figure that out at the major league level. But I think that at a certain point, it's going to get to where you kind of have to because there's just not many other options out of this bullpen. Um, So I hope he can get enough of that figured out in AAA where it's a short adjustment period. But he's just, just a guy where you need a weapon, you need the velo, and I think if he has enough time, he'll figure it out. Yeah, I think the D-backs are, he seems to be one of the first pitchers the D-backs decide to bring up whenever they're optioning guys to the minor league and they need to call someone up. Luis Frias is on that short list. I think they're going to keep continuing to groom him throughout the season because of the way his stuff looks in. Mm-hmm. They need someone that can throw the heat. Like you said, I just don't want to see him in high leverage moments just yet. There has to be ball games where we're up 5 nothing. Guess what? We've already seen a ball game where the D-backs were up 5 nothing against the Miami Marlins. You bring in Luis Frias and he gave up like four earned runs and made like a one-run ball game almost immediately. So he's not ready yeah. just yet. But like you said, maybe as the season progresses because the stuff is so nasty. The D-backs need a profile reliever like the one that uh, Luis Frias can be. It's just a matter of whether you can reach that potential and ceiling or not. So I am going to keep my eye on Luis Frias for the rest of the season. But how about number four, Lindsay? Who's the next guy on your list? Um, double fastball guy, Brandon Fat, the right-hand pitcher. Interesting. We're, what does that mean? Now, we're, we're one, disclaimer, we are assuming you pronounce his last name, Fat P-F-A-A-D-T. I believe it's that. So he throws both a four-seamer and a two-seamer. Okay. Which is something that I, I really enjoy because it gives you more options as far as weapons. So the four-seamer, you can run up to 97. The two-seamer is like a 94, 95 kind of thing. But obviously, you're looking at different action with those. The two-seamer is going to get you a ton of ground ball outs. The one thing I feel like is that this defense is a defense where a sinker ball pitcher can have some success with this defense behind them. Um, so... 
you take that, you combine that with the changeup. Uh, it's a it, it's a fading kind of a fading changeup there with a curveball and a slider. He's got enough weapons where he can go out there, he can miss bats, he can get strikeouts. Struck out like eleven guys per uh, per nine last year, and that was with the curveball and the slider kind of being the same pitch. He's worked to separate those. Curveball is more of a vertical pitch now. Slider is more of a horizontal pitch. And so it's something where for $100,000 in the fifth round, you may have found a guy that can be a, you know, that can be middle to back of a rotation arm that can give you eventually be able to give you 200 innings. Right now, if he was to be called up, how good of a reliever do you think he would be? What kind of arsenal do you think his... What do you think his arsenal would translate to being a back-end reliever? Because it seems like he can at least get the ground ball and be a strikeout machine. Like, how are those his real strengths, getting ground balls and uh, getting strikeouts as well? Because if you can do both of those in high-leverage moments, I mean, that's basically all you need. You bring that guy in with 2-1, and he's either going to get a strikeout, get a ground ball. That's huge as a reliever. Ground ball double play. He's a guy that very much, like right now, he's somebody, if if I'm pulling from double-A Amarillo, if I've got two men on and one out, um, I'm calling Brandon Fat because I know, like you said, he's either going to get a strikeout or he's going to they're going to put the ball on the ground. Um, he's what was it last year? He threw 40 innings, um, gave up a bunch of home runs, uh, I think 12 home runs. And when you and he's talked about a lot of those came off of those breaking pitches, that slider and that curveball. And so he did the intentional work to separate those. Um, Having having a sinker in your repertoire and being able to throw it to both sides of the plate like he can, I think is a difference maker when it comes to that situation of there's men on base, we have a small lead, we have to get out of this inning. Take a guy like Brandon Fat, throw him in, let him get out of it. And the single ball pitcher is something the D-backs love to go to because you look at Merrill Kelly, you look at Humberto Castellanos, you look at Zach Davies. Single ball pitch is one of their go-to pitchers in all their arsenals, but the difference is they really all don't throw that hard. Merrill Kelly can get to 93, 94. He probably throws it the hardest, but it sounds like Brandon Fat is a guy that could throw in the mid to low 90s as well with that single ball. So that's what I want to see. I'm not a huge single ball pitcher kind of a guy. That's usually not the prototype pitcher I want to see pitching. But if you're a single ball pitcher that can average like 94, 95 miles an hour on that pitch, it changes things. Alberto Castellanos, he's been pretty good for the D-back so far this season, but his single ball averages like 88 miles an hour. His fastball averages like 89 miles an hour. I just feel like you got to walk such a tight rope when that's kind of like your arsenal, when that's your pitching makeup. And Brandon Fats got this two-seamer, this four-seamer. He's got the sinker ball. He's got the curveball. He's got the slider. I'm not too worried then. I'm not going to, you know, stress. If he's got a 97-mile-an-hour fastball in his arsenal, then I feel like he's perfect for this D-back team because we need guys that can throw hard, not guys that can just throw single balls and only throw around 89, 89 miles an hour. We have enough guys that could do that. So <laughs> I do like the idea of Brendan Fat maybe being a reliever for this D-back team because he seems like he could strike out or get a, a, a ground ball double play in a big moment. And he sounds like He's a guy that could do, uh, you know, maybe really help out this bullpen and really fix it up. And if you need your car fixed up, you need to head to Rock Auto because this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local, local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership 
Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are always reliably low for every customer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. All right, still got Lindsey Crosby of Locked On MLB Prospects here doing our power ranking. We got at number five, we had Luis Frias. At four, we had Brandon Fatt. And who is checking in at number three, Lindsey? Going to be a surprising name, a little bit deeper, but because of the need for relief, I think a guy who has a chance to make an impact this year is right-hand pitcher Keegan Curtis. Okay, deep cut. I like that. Deep cut, yeah. So part of the reason for this is, I mean, age-wise, he's already 26. So okay. we pretty much know who he is. And he's, he's now kind of made that official change to the bullpen. Um, shorter guy, only six foot, 175, but can run the fastball in the in like the mid upper 90s. The slider is a really good hard slider. And the thing that I love is they disguise off each other really well. He strikes at about 12 batters per nine innings. And it's somebody where he doesn't have a ton of weapons outside of those two pitches, but he can throw both those pitches really well. He can disguise them really well. And I don't think he necessarily has the body to 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 handle a starter's workload anyway. So let him go out there, give max effort for an inning, um, and and solidify the back half of this bullpen. Yeah, I don't mind even pitchers like that who are two-pitch kind of guys because if those are elite pitches, then it doesn't matter. You could come in for a big high-leverage moment, come in for an inning, and like you said, max effort, throw as hard as you can, have that break, do whatever you need to do to make sure your pitches are you know fully uh, um, materialized and are fully hitting their ceiling. So do you think his fastball and slider are at a place where they're both plus pitches and they're both good enough where they can be the, the two go-to pitches in his arsenal and he doesn't really need to add a third pitch or anything else? I think they're good enough. Um, he has a changeup that he throws occasionally. He, he, it's really one of those, like, it's here just to keep you honest. But I think the fastball and slider, uh, he can spot them both well enough. Uh, and, and again, they disguise really well. I think those two are enough to, uh, to do it. I mean, he, he threw a bunch of scoreless innings in double A last year when they moved him to the bullpen, went up to triple A, got his feet wet, kind of, worked out some of how that works struggled in a small sample size he was still new to the bullpen but having much better results this year and I really think a guy I mean we're talking about needing needing a an impact reliever out of the pen the fastball slider combo it's a very good combo and I think he's going to be that guy and how has his command been is he someone that puts people on the bases does he give up a lot of hard contact or give up a lot of hits just because people know what to lock in with those two pitches so last year um in triple a uh, I believe it was, what was it here? It was, he, he walked less than 10 guys all year. Okay. Beautiful. You're good. Yes. You're, you're on the yeah. team, bro. You're, yeah. you made it. <laughs> Call him up. You're less there, than bro. 10 guys all year. All right. You're I, good. Move on. We're on to number two. We, that's you, you sold me. You did it. Lindsay. You sold me on him. All right. We're bringing him up. Keegan Curtis. You're getting the call up next time. Someone goes down with injury and gets on the 10 day injured list. I'm calling up Keegan Curtis next, but maybe, maybe we got to wait for the number two guy because you said this list is pitcher heavy, but I haven't heard a position player yet. So let's see number two. Maybe this will be the first position player. Oh. So, no. Um, no. Okay. Right-hand pick, pitcher, Dre Jameson. Okay. So, another guy, a little bit, you know, six foot, 170. I think he needs to put a little, little bit of weight on, but somebody that, in my mind, needs to move to the bullpen. 
uh, simply because, I mean, he can hit, he like he sits 96 normally. He can touch 100. Okay. But, I like that. you know, and he holds it deep in the games. He's a guy that feels to me like, okay, he can go out there. He can pitch on multiple nights. He can cover multiple innings for you. Uh, he has, again, the four-seamer up to 100. He's got a, a two-seamer that's 93-94. And then the slider, he can spot it for a strike. Or he can start it in the strike zone and take it out of the strike zone um, to get a swing and a miss. So, uh, like, when the slider's on, this is probably one of the best sliders in the entire system. So you combine a guy who can hit 100 fastball-wise with a slider that can either drop for a strike or make you chase it. And I feel like he's going to be useful for the team. Now, this being said, do not go look at his AAA numbers right now. Because he's thrown in two games in AAA and gave up ten earned runs, um, it's a little bit of a little bit of an adjustment for him. And again, and that's something where he uh, kind of victim victim of a lot of walks. I think it's something where as he's adjusting to the different level, he's he's having to watch the guys and figure out how to get them to chase that slider. But going back to his time at AA, both this year and last year. Um, not a ton of walks last year. He walked less than 20 guys all season, uh, in, in double a this year in almost 20 innings, he had less than five walks. So historically has been a pretty good control guy, plenty of strikeouts, not a ton of walks, excluding the small sample size in triple a this year. Yeah. I was going to ask, do you want him to move to the bullpen because you want to see him empty the tank when he's a reliever? Or do you want to see him empty the bullpen because you don't think he's quite as good enough? You think his stuff is better translated to the bullpen because you don't think it's good enough to go the distance because he might be limiting himself for those later innings as he goes deeper into a ball game. I think it's the second one where, where he's, he's trying to, you know, he sits 96 a lot. He can hit a hundred, but he's holding it back and he does a pretty good job, especially for a smaller guy weight wise to carry that velocity so deep into the game. But if I can get four innings of 96 or I can get one inning of 100 with that slider, give me the 100 with the slider. So do that. And then also I do worry because of his size, only being you know six foot, 165, 170, I do worry about if he tries to maintain that starter's workload through an entire season, can his body handle it? It reminds, you know, like a lot of guys, his size, you see them have to skip a start here or take an extra day of rest there because they're trying to physically recover because they just don't have the body mass and the bulk to handle uh, 110 pitches every fifth or sixth day. So he's okay. a guy where tick, put him in for an inning, let him throw 15, 20 pitches. He can go again tomorrow, give him a day off. I think you're a lot better. You're using his bullets a little more efficiently there. Okay, we'll do like what we do in fantasy baseball, and we'll flag him. We'll just keep monitoring him throughout the rest of the season and see how he adjusts to AAA. We're not ready to call him up just yet like Keegan Curtis. We'll keep him in the AAA system, and we'll let him adjust a little bit more to those batters before we call him up. So let's get to number one, the the I guess the cream de la cream of this of this power ranking, the main entree, the, the, the dessert, I don't know, but whatever the main course is, I guess this is it. Number one on Lindsey Crosby's power rankings for D-backs prospects that can help out in 2022. People are going to say it's too early. Okay. People are going to say that you need to wait longer. Uh oh. Uh oh. He's 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 too young for this. Where are we going? Where are we going? But Uh-oh. I think you may see Corbin Carroll this year. Oh. I think you may see Corbin Carroll this year. So when you look at what he's doing right now, he's in Amarillo, uh, twenty-four games in. Slash line is three twenty-six, four fifty-eight, six ninety-five. 
nine home runs and 95 at-bats, eight for nine on stolen bases. He's proving everything you could possibly want somebody to prove in double A. What you're doing now is you're you're making sure that this is not just a a a streak of hot at bats, but this is who he is as a player. And I think that he he's playing well enough, and he's going to play well enough. And he's he's already probably the fastest base runner and the best uh, hitter for average in the entire system. Where second half of the year, especially if somebody gets hurt out there, you're going to be bringing him up and seeing him what you have at the major league level. Yeah, what's his <clears throat> Excuse me. What's his ceiling versus his floor debate when you're talking about Corbin Carroll? What's going to keep him around Major League Baseball like we talked about Alec Thomas in the first segment? First, what if everything hits for Corbin Carroll? What kind of player can he be? Are we talking about all-star? Talking about superstar? Face of the franchise? What's the ceiling for this guy? We need, I want to, you know, indulge me here, Lindsay. Indulge me. <laughs> so if we are doing absolute ceiling of this guy, we uh-huh. are talking perennial all-star uh, plus defensive center fielder Ooh. with an offense that, I mean, despite his size, hits 20 home runs, um, you know, contends for upper, upper, you know, close to 200 as far as hits in a season. Wow. That kind of approach at his ceiling if everything hits. Each you will. Um, the only the like the speed <laughs> he can cover. Right <laughs> he was like, I'm not even responding to that. I was like, I was like, I I I can't compare somebody to get through. I just can't do it. The the first names that came to my head was like, I think I like in my head I said Johnny Damon, and I'm like, I don't Ooh. think that's enough. I think okay. I think okay, okay. I don't I like Johnny Damon's enough. I like but Johnny Damon. The reason why I I I was hesitant to say Corbin Carroll is he's got like like 300 plate appearances above um, was it like, like in, in professional baseball because yeah, of injuries, because of losing 2020, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the shoulder surgery last May. And he did a lot of mental work as far as trying to be prepared, uh, going, whether it's taking classes, whether it was going to games and sitting with scouts and, and analytics folks, everything we've seen says he is as good as we think. It's just something where you just have to see enough of it where somebody's willing to say, all right, I'll go ahead and sign off on it. Let's do it. Let's give it a shot. And maybe he's that guy you call up really young and it works out. I think he is. Yeah, we've seen it in baseball the last few years. I mean, with the Tatises, the Francos, the Guerreros. If you're that good, I mean, so those guys, yeah, the, yeah, those guys usually translate pretty quickly. So I'm hoping Corbin Carroll could do that. That would be pretty interesting. I don't know if we're going to see him this season, but we at least got to see him get called up to AAA before we uh, see Corbin Carroll get called up to the major league level. But I would not be surprised if it's, May of 2023, and like how it was with Alec Thomas, and we see Corbin Carroll's name being called up, and then all of a sudden, Alec Thomas and Corbin Carroll in the outfield, and D-backs fans are going crazy. Dalton Varsho maybe behind the plate. Maybe it's all three of them in the outfield. Varsho, Thomas Carroll. Sorry, David Peralta. I don't know where you fit into this <laughs> equation. You're gonna there's be a DH spot. Yeah, there's a DH spot. You're going to be a free agent anyway, but that DH yeah. spot probably safe for Seth Beer. Sorry, I don't That's know where Paven Smith is. He might need the DH spot. I don't know where everyone fits in, but it doesn't matter. Carroll, Varsho, Alec Thomas, that's our big three. That is going to get me through this season, maybe next season as well. I really like this power ranking of the top five. Can you just do a quick recap for us, Lindsey Crosby, your top five power rankings for the prospects? Oh my gosh, I have it here. Yes. Uh, number five, <laughs> Luis Frias. <laughs> my notes are moved, moved around. Number four, Keegan Curtis. Number, where did he go? Number three, Brandon Fat. Number 
Oh no, I think I you had. It. Yeah, I think you had fat at four. I had, and then. I, think, I had fat at four. Yeah, and they I've lost. I've I've lost my notes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and number one, Corbin Carroll. Wow, wow. All right, Lindsey Crosby, Locked On MLB prospects. Thank you for hopping on today, giving us the time. Where can the Locked On Dimebacks listeners find you? Because we're gonna need to know when that episode comes out of you going through the entire D-backs roster on those Fridays that you do. So uh, my so I am on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. My show is on Twitter at Locked On Farm. You can find Locked On MLB Prospects wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Like he's alluding to, every Friday we do a Farm Friday. We're going down in order by organizational depth. We're going through every Friday and we cover a different team. We cover their entire farm system top to bottom, where all the top prospects are, some of the guys who should pop out of that system. Uh, and if I remember correctly, the D-backs are a top 10 system, so they should be within the next month or so. We're on oh. a, this week is the Royals at five. Okay. So it should be the very big, it should be the beginning of June. We're gonna have a Friday episode all about this D-back system, top to bottom, every single level, talking about how they're doing and who's gonna be top prospect in the system next year. Okay, cool. Whenever you do that episode, we'll bring you on to do a crossover as well. We'll just power rank again. Top 10 prospects in D-backs farm system, according to Lindsey Crosby of Locked On MLB Prospects. Lindsey, thank you for hopping on today, and thank you for giving me your time, sir. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.